there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous. And it is truly, truly season two! Nobody else is going to be excited about that? I am, I am super excited for it, because this means we are one season closer to my boyfriend, Riot. It, let's let's be clear, Riot's your husbando. Riot is my husbando. Am I going to have to lug around a two-foot-tall statue of Riot for Mac at some point? Yes, you will. So yeah, this is season two. We are officially doing cartoon episode recaps again. Feels good. So we are coming back to The Talent Search Part 1, written by Christy Marks. This is our two-parter to open the season. There's laughter, there's tears, there's weirdly detailed Japanese restaurants, there's Jetta, and there's Rhea. And there's Craig. Yeah, this was your first time seeing Craig outside of the comic, wasn't it, Kit? He looks like a 50-year-old man. Yeah, he does. Uh, Would you believe that Christy Marks described him as being devastatingly handsome in her notes? Well, clearly the artists of the show are not up to that challenge. On the road to Craig, let's first stop off at our first scene, the Starlight Mansion. Where Chrissy's now a ninja turtle. Shane is basically making outfits for the Starlight girls who still have devastatingly unfortunate haircuts. Chrissy says that Shana's dress that she made her is radical, which is kind of a good setup for the kind of theme of the episode that Shana's great at fashion and is going to go off and do fashion-y things. Yeah, they do do a nice job of, like, refreshing us on that before it actually becomes plot relevant. Anyway, Shayna is late for her recording session slash jam session with the holograms. It's not really clear if they jam or record because it seems like they don't actually ever rehearse. Is this is maybe supposed to be a rehearsal because they talk about wanting to speed up certain parts of different songs. Also, Gem is in Gem disguise, despite the fact that they're at home. Shayna is tired of playing the drums. She asked Kimber to play it for the new number because she wants to play guitar. And she says, I haven't played my guitar in ages. Do you mean never? Never on screen. This is the first time that we're hearing of her actually being like, by instrumental Plus, why is she trusting Kimber, of all people, with drums? To be fair, everybody else is like, I don't know how to do drums. And the Kimber's like, but I gotta play keyboards for this song. Do you? But uh, Shayna just sort of reluctantly returns to the drums and is about to put down a fresh beat when Anthony rushes into the room. Without knocking. Thank God she was already Jim. So Anthony notes that Liz Stratton is doing a contest and she's a star. What kind of star we don't know. The Liz Stratton. She's in magazines. She needs a new wardrobe designer. And Anthony is directing her miniseries, Liz Stratton's miniseries, which is what apparently this is for. So he told her about Shayna. Pure nepotism. But it works out for Shayna. It does work out for Shayna. So Shayna's like, I'm not good enough for Liz Stratton. And Jim loudly moves sideways without really, like, actually moving and goes, be positive! While forcing Shayna to wear the ugliest pink pillbox hat of all time. It's not great. They shove her out the door along with Anthony. uh, And meanwhile, they're starting to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. None of us know how to play drums. If Shayna gets the job, she won't have time to go on tour, but they want Shayna to be able to take the job if she gets it. And they're like, we may need to get someone else to play drums. Or this is the 80s, just have a drum machine. We may have to get someone else to play our weird nonsense electronica drums. I mean, look at the Misfits. They don't have a drummer. Yeah, they do okay. They've got... Two to three guitars and a keytar. And we, meanwhile, I believe, follow Shayna over to uh, Liz Stratton's place. Her designs are exactly the mix of elegance and boldness that Liz Stratton has been looking for. Liz Stratton is also the only person on Earth who has not heard of Gem and the Holograms. Gem and the what? 
And Shana's like, uh, I'm a drummer for the most famous band in the world. I might not be able to drop everything for a six-month shooting schedule in three countries. And I'm not sure I can live at your house in the meantime. That is so weird that she wants Shana to live at her house. That makes no sense. And here's the best thing. She's like, My dear, I'll be on primetime television and in dozens of magazines. Millions of people will see me in your designs. And you want to play drums? Millions of people already see her designs. Like every time they perform. Yeah, she's world famous. One of her models won the Indy 500. She won in a fancy Venetian fashion contest twice at the same contest because the Misfits wore her designs except they got dyed black, which may I remind you is cool. I also want to point out that for the average person trying to make a living as a fashion designer, all Liz Stratton really needed to say was, I'll pay you. You know, did she actually say that she'll pay her? She does not. Maybe this is just for exposure. I mean, that seems to be what she's playing up, right? Like, people will see me and your designs. This sounds like an exposure pitch to me. The secret moral of this story is don't work for exposure. So, Shayna is understandably torn about this. Anthony, by the way, is like a really good boyfriend. Yeah, he is. He's like, make sure that no matter what you decide, it's what you really want. And it's like, oh, Anthony, you're the one person who's most sensitive to Shayna's needs in this entire two-parter. And there's like an implied, like, I'll support you no matter what. They're such a good relationship. They're like the healthiest couple in the show. And we see none of them. Which is probably why they're the healthiest couple in the show. They're having regular lives, regular dates off screen. And meanwhile, Ryu and Jim are getting into screaming fights and kicking over potted plants. So at the Starlight Mansion, Shayna walks in and tells the other holograms what's going on. So uh, they're like, oh, it's okay. We'll find another drummer. No worries. But what about what about the band? Who'll play drums? Oh, we'll hold a talent search. Right, girl? Yeah, we'll get a great new drummer and get lots of publicity in the process. They're so happy to see me go. So we have yet another plot that would basically be uh, fixed if people would only say what's actually on their minds. Right, because Shayna basically takes this as them cold hard, like, rejecting her. Can't get rid of her fast enough. She packs her things, she leaves immediately, and then she cries in the car to Anthony. What I like about this is that this is, like, one of those things where it's a kid's show, so it needs to be emotionally accessible for, like, an 8 to 11 year old girl. Which means that Shayna's behaving like an 8 to 11 year old girl. She has all the emotional maturity of, like, a pre-tween. So, I mean, she immediately takes them at their word. She has no understanding of subtlety, and we get into some really high drama because everybody needs to be emotionally accessible for an 8 to 11 year old girl, which we'll see in the part two as well. Meanwhile, back at the Starlight Mansion, while Kimber is sadly playing out the awful keyboard intro from the Gem Jam, everybody is basically acting like they just sent off Harry in Harry and the Hendersons. Ah, uh, just like, Shayna's so loyal, she never would have left unless we made her. Wow. Wow. Making decisions for Shayna. Wow. I don't want you anymore. Just get out of here. Go. I'll always love you. Now go! You have to be with your own kind, the fashionable ones. They white fang Shayna. Anyway, they decide they need to promote the contest. And the next scene is uh, them using orphans for free labor again. Yeah, they're using the orphans for free labor again. Jerrica is having the orphans distribute posters for this contest they're having. Huge, heavy crates of papers. Now, there's a great little montage here of like TV, radio, and magazines of everybody asking who will be the next member of Gem and the Holograms, ending with Pizzazz 
as reading a magazine and shrieking. It's a nice transition. She's wearing this amazing cow print dress too. This is going to end up like replacing the pink zebra number as her like default outfit in season two and three. You're going to be seeing a lot of fancy cow print. Yay. So Pizzazz is understandably upset about all of the quote unquote free publicity they're getting, which I'm not sure it's free at this point. No, they're clearly spending money on this. Good old Eric Raymond. He has a plan. They've got a bunch of clubs to hit. They're going to also have a talent search, except it's going to be them searching for talent and getting another misfit. And Roxy is immediately like the kid who finds out that the parents are pregnant. She's like, we don't need another misfit. We're fine. Just the way we are. Stormer, however, has like a really eloquent reason for this. She's like, I think it's a good idea. It means another instrument, a fuller sound, more complex music. She's actually like thinking about this. She's thinking we need a drummer really badly. And meanwhile, uh, Pizzazz and Roxy basically just get double dog dared to go find the misfit. And the great thing is you're like, okay, well, maybe they're going to get like a drummer or some sort of rhythm. Instead, here come the Tinkerbillies direct from London. Where they're playing a mad saxophone solo. It turns out that the Tinkerbillies are basically just like generic punks and their front runner, obviously a doll made to fit with the misfits. A doll who attacks the audience with a saxophone. She's perfect. Come on, Jetta. Right, this is Jetta. If you are familiar with Jetta from the comics, Jetta is not in fact black. She is a white British woman. Uh, there's actually a story behind this. Christy Marks talks about it on the commentary track. She really wanted Jetta to be black um, because she wanted another black character on the roster. But the company that they were working for at the time told her no because positive racism, the 80s was full of it. They were like, no, we don't want one of the black persons to be a villain. They can be Australian or English, however. And Christy thought this was hilarious and made her English. It's so weird to see white Jetta. Having seen Jetta first in the comics, it's really weird. I'm so used to a much more diverse looking Misfits cast. It's song time. This is our first song of season two and it is the Misfits' I Like Your Style. Which almost sounds like a Genesis Phil Collins type song. Remember everything I said about loving Gimme a Gimmick? Throw that out the window. I Like Your Style is like top tier Misfits song. And it's got so much saxophone in it. Both of the new songs in this episode, they are definitely written to take advantage of the fact of sort of like the key instruments of, of our new characters, of saxophone and drums respectively. So it really takes advantage of that. Most of the time, Jetta is just sort of also vocals. That's disappointing. This episode in particular has really, really good animation, especially in the music videos. They look spectacular. And then after the song ends, how would you like to be a misfit, Jetta? Fulfill your destiny. Be the doll. Watch out, Jim. The new misfits are gonna get ya. Pizzazz really likes her. Jetta's in. Roxy's like, wait, what the frick? There's like three of us here. We get an opinion. Stormer, back me up here. What's your opinion? And Stormer, who previously was like, more complex music, a fuller sound, another instrument. This would be great. Stormer pops in with, I love her accent. I had to pause the episode. I was laughing so hard. There's no like interesting feedback. Nothing. Just, I love her accent. Roxy doesn't love her accent though. And they fight for like the rest of the show. They just kind of casually hate each other. And then this whole thing about work permits comes up. Which, do underground club musicians need work permits? I don't know how this works. And Pizzazz is like, daddy's lawyers will take care of some... And Jed is like, oh my god, really? I love you. It's amazing what lawyers can do if you pay them enough. So we then switch to a, a music store owned by a fellow named Barry. And Aja comes in to drop off some new flyers for the contest. And there is somebody drumming in a practice room. Barry says it's its friend who's just in from Europe. Europe, the entire continent. 
continent. To be fair, it's not a big continent. There's a lot of countries in it. Yeah, but if you drive for 30 minutes, you'd pass through three of them, so. Barry's friend from Europe has blue hair and a hot pink polo shirt, and he's good at the drums, and he's like a 50-year-old man. He looks like a dad. We have this little exchange between them where I was just like, all right, you want to be in our band? Nah, I'm here to visit my sister. You want a job? Not if I can help it, something like that. However, Aja has no time for scrubs while Craig backpedals and they're like, wait, but no, I mean, drums, let's, let's date. I mean, play drums, date, drums, make, make, kiss, play drums, boom, drums, kiss. All I wrote for this portion was, Craig, you're such a square. Physically and mentally. He looks like a succession of squares stacked on top of each other. I was just like, we would like serious musicians, please. Goodbye. Craig finds out that Aja was Aja of Gem and the Holograms. And then he's like, you're going to find out how serious Craig Phillips can be. That's terrifying. And then we flash to a new home. The Alonzo Nursery. We have a young Hispanic boy run up to his father who says, A drumming contest? Bueno, I must show Rhea at once. So let's pause here for a second. I have to assume that this this scenario happened before sort of the Mexican gardener stereotype was a thing, but it might sort of be circumvented in the fact that Mr. Alonso here, he owns this business. He raises the plants himself. He owns the nursery. He's not like a landscaper. I, I don't know. It still just feels kind of awkward. It edges a little too close to a stereotype. Be completely comfortable watching it. So anyway, Mr. Alonso comes to show this flyer to his daughter, Rhea. Rhea is a uh, girl of indeterminate age with bright pink hair. You can tell Rhea is going to be the new hologram because her character design is like 200% more complicated than anyone else's. I wrote Rhea's line of, I'll never have a chance. And I replied to it with, I don't know, your pink hair seems to indicate that you might have one. Rhea has low self-esteem and she's incredibly shy. And that is basically her sort of character arc for this little two-parter here. But her father is very, very supportive of her. He's like, a loser is someone who never tries Rhea. Her mom also pops in with like, why is a young girl playing the drums? It's not very ladylike. And it also turns out her name is Carmen. Rhea is a nickname. This is another thing from Rock Gem that I learned. When Hasbro first told Christy Marks about the new character Rhea, and this is typical of the other characters, they came with names. She looked up Rhea to see if it meant anything in Spanish, but didn't find much that made sense. So Christy came up with the idea of Rhea just being a nickname that her father gave her. The last name Alonso was the name of a Hispanic person that Christy knew. And also, with all of the orphans on the show, Christy liked the idea of throwing an entire functional family into the mix for a change. Yeah, let's have somebody with a positive childhood with two living parents. She's got, like, two parents who are supportive of her. She's got three brothers. I wouldn't say her mother's very supportive of her. Eh, I mean, she shows up for the contest. She's a little disparaging, but the fact of the matter is that she's there to support her daughter when she actually does try for this. And Rhea says, I like the nickname Rhea and I'm gonna use it tomorrow when I audition. Meanwhile, tomorrow, the William Dell Overture. They made up some really weird drummers. <laughs> There's this guy with this tiny little, like, little drummer boy drum, and it's the only drum he plays, and he decides he's gonna play the William Tell Overture as his audition. I would love to actually sit down and hear that. I want to know how that goes. He's like a street busker who wandered in. And Rio shows up long enough to just kind of usher this guy out. And then somebody says, who knew there were so many bad drummers? Speaking as a band kid, I knew. Oh, 
Sorry, high school drummers. So meanwhile, back at Shayna's plot, Liz Stratton is looking at these complete outfits that Shayna has put together and she hates them all for arbitrary reasons. I would normally say this is ridiculous and unrealistic that we have gotten this far into the design phase that we have complete outfits and she now has troubles with them, but I've read Clients from Hell. Liz Stratton is the worst surprising nobody. She wants everything redone by tomorrow and Shayna has freaking had it. And Anthony pops in with like, Shayna, that's not like you. Oh son, you ain't seen Mad Shayna. You have not seen Mad Shayna yet, dear. You haven't seen Shayna wreak vengeance throughout Venice. That kind of vengeance has not been wreaked throughout Venice since the days of Ezio Auditore. Angry Shayna is epic. Benny. Anthony is gently like, are you sure you want to be here and you don't want to be with Jim and the holograms? And there's actually like a nice semi-subtle moment where Shayna like turns away, glances off to the side. So she's obviously lying and she's like, I'm very glad I left. In a couple of episodes that are very much not subtle, it's nice to see this. Meanwhile, at the best dad ever. Yeah, Rhea saw this huge freaking line that stretched twice around the building basically and just chickened out and went home. And Rhea's father is like, you have to believe in yourself. How can anyone else believe in you if you won't? And he's like, I have a plan and it involves orchids and subterfuge. I love Rhea's dad. He's such a good dad. Please tell me we see more of Rhea's dad in the series because he's the best character. I don't know that we do, unfortunately. Oh. He's so great. He's just a normal dude and he's like, I'm gonna make sure my daughter has every chance that she can. He's great. So auditions, unfortunately, have closed up by the time they get back to Starlight Music, but Mr. Alonzo will not be swayed. He's like, well, we just have to come up with another plan to get inside and we will use these flowers. He answers some orchids and he goes up to the uh, security guy at the lobby. He's like, special delivery for the holograms. So they get waved through because a clipboard and a confident wave will get you into any building in the world. The holograms still haven't found anyone worthy. Nobody that's really clicked with them. And then the, uh, Mr. Alonzo comes in and he's like, Ray is very good. She would very much like to audition. And Jem's like, we're done for the day. And he's like, please, she is shy. If you don't let her audition, there's no way I'm going to get her back here. Jim sees the desperation and the sign of a good father and perhaps thinking of Image Bitten, she's like, okay. Emmett who? You mean Cave Starlight? So Rhea sits down and by the way, this is a real drum kit. Yeah, this is not Shayna's weird nonsense drums. <laughs> There's a couple of electric drums off the side, but this is a real drum kit and I appreciate that. And she starts playing and Kimber's like, that's just the beat I wanted for my new song. Keep going. And they all just like get set up and it's really cute. And then a song starts. Believe in yourself. In which we get a flashback and find out that Rhea has naturally pink hair. Every I told you, everyone in the show has natural hair colors. Also, the flashback, baby Rhea is so cute. Why can't the tragic haircut girls look like that? Uh, we also flashback to five minutes ago uh, to learn a lesson about believing in yourself, which is kind of cute. Yeah, I don't see why they felt this was necessary to do the whole sneaking by with flowers sequence again. But differently, they didn't like reuse footage. No, they animated it again. And Musically, this is actually one of my favorite Gem of the Hologram songs. It's really upbeat. It's really catchy. And again, it really plays up the fact that they are using a real drummer with a real drum kit. As opposed to whatever the hell is going on with Shayna's drum set. And they liked it too, because Jem pops in with a thank you very much. And uh, so Rhea leaves, and then Jem waits exactly 
0.2 milliseconds and it's like shows over synergy. Meanwhile, Rhea has come back because they left the orchids behind in the room. Like you're not even going to let them keep the flowers. Jem later is like, oh, Rhea forgot the flowers. And like, I guess nobody ever thought that this was going to be a gift. Two, also, you know, these people just got in past security by claiming they were bringing you orchids. It would be weird if they took them back. You're right. Why would you think this place was secure enough for you to suddenly and abruptly switch to Jerrica? Yeah, the door has even been left open a crack. Like, what the heck? On top of that, why is Synergy randomly popping out here? Alright, alright, let's get to that in a second, because she is transformed back into Jerrica just long enough for Rhea to come back, poke her head in the door, and realize that Jem is really Jerrica Benton. Rhea is such a Jem fangirl that she knows Jerrica Benton on site. Like, this is the sloppiest the holograms have ever been. They're like, you're gonna have to be really careful with another drummer, what with the dual identity, unless you want to reveal your secret. And Jerrica's like, well, I don't know, excuse me, all-powerful AI coming through. And then Synergy shows up. Like, these are the people who have a hidden room with Synergy in it. These are the people who Jerrica is always in gem disguise when she's rehearsing just in case someone barges into the studio without knocking. And then they do this. If my holograms would have fallen to the wrong hands. She doesn't even say my holograms. If the secrets your father built into me fall into the wrong hands, they could be used for evil purposes. What secrets? Yeah, Synergy completely manifests herself here. She doesn't even, like, project, like, a speaker, maybe. This is all, of course, a conceit so Rhea can see everything and be in on the secret. Jem, however, notices that Rhea left the orchids that she gave them as a gift and, uh, frickin' returns them. Like a jerk. Nobody in Gem World knows how gifts work. Uh, very few people in Gem World also seem to know how flirting works. And we are about to see that it is day two at the Starlight Music Talent Search. Craig, this huge turbo nerd 50-year-old man, brought a resume to a music audition. He's like, I play better with a backup. What do you think his resume looks like? I think it's like those resumes you sometimes get out on the oil sands where it's like the name and then I was a truck driver for 12 years. I hit drum with stick. I hit drum with stick for this guy. I hit drum with stick for that guy. You probably never heard of them. They're pretty obscure. Aja, by the way, has the most amazing ponytail. Oh, she looks so cute in this music video. She's in this, like, updo outfit, which you rarely see on her. Anyway, she picks up her guitar and Craig starts playing. And then we pop into our third song of the episode, I've Got My Eye On You. This may sound familiar. It's from Kimber's Rebellion, which is like episode three or four. It's the giant floating gem head one. And it's way better looking this time. And significantly less creepy, since it's contextually about Aja and Craig flirting with each other other musically rather than Jim aggressively hitting on Rio until he cheats on Jerrica with herself. Every couple in this show is better than Rio and Jerrica. This is something that we actually start doing from season two on out to the rest of the show is that we're actually going to start having two new songs and one old song every episode. Is it just me or is this song like a lot catchier now that its overtones are significantly less creepy? Yeah and also that the animation of Aja's hair is so much better. I just heard twirling around and, and flirtily playing guitar at Craig. I don't know how you flirt while playing drums, but Craig is apparently doing it. Man, they have more chemistry in this music video than Jerrica and Rio and Jem and Rio have had in their entire relationship saga. So anyway, both Rhea and Craig have been selected as one of the eight semifinalists, and they've all been invited to a pool party at Starlight Mansion. Because they want to get to know the contestants better. Rhea gets cornered
cornered by some punk drummer who says, you just must be here to make the contest look good. Is, is that an affirmative action reference? That's how I read it. Near as I can tell, Ray is the only contestant who isn't white, so. Maybe it's because she's young. Maybe that's what it's trying to go for. Maybe it is like an affirmative action thing. I don't know. Quick note about this total jerk, though. One of the other contestants, and again, from Rock Gem, because I have a bunch of stuff here. One of the other contestants of the talent search, the woman who first off introduces herself by saying she's played with bands like Static Moss, The Big Apes, and the nasties. She was for some reason described in detail by Christy Marks in her script as a tough girl, tough looking, nasty voice, young woman wearing black leather and red lace with black hair and a small red arrow pierced heart painted on her cheek. And the animator just said, all right. That is like a my immortal character description right there. But yeah, she basically accuses Ray of affirmative action and they escort her from the premises. Kimber tells her to make like a drum solo and beat it. Oh my God. It's also nice that like she is physically escorted from the premises by two of our female characters rather than the just Rio is here and some other dude. Well, as demonstrated in like episode two, Rio cannot successfully escort anyone off any premises without starting fires. And Jem finds her because Rayo runs off crying after this and it's like you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a real chance we want talent not conceit and also you brought a pinata you brought a real sweet pinata again this is hewing a little too close to stereotype to be comfortable dude i'm not sure toey is really clear on what a pinata is because have you looked at this thing it's uh yeah i think they've had a pinata described to them and because this is before the internet they're like i don't know this seems really weird but Okay. It's a what? Bonnie totally like wrecks that paper donkey though. She gets all the candy. Bonnie has a killer instinct. Meanwhile, Aja and Craig are like all over each other. This is a constant in every timeline, I guess, that Aja and Craig are totally all over each other. Meanwhile, at a press conference, the misfits announce Jetta as the new misfit. And one of their first questions is, Jetta, if you're so famous, how come we never heard of you? Is this reporter from a subreddit? Jetta says she and the royals are close personal friends. You know, like all British people. She keeps this up for like at least half the season, if not longer. It takes a really long time for us to go to England and find out that her parents are just Americans with crappy Cockney accents. I feel like Christy probably had some choice words about that. Anyway, the two semi-finalists have been announced, which I guess are now the semi-semi-finalists. I think that's just finalists. Our finalists are Rhea and Craig, our only characters that have been named. Let's be honest here, folks. The youth think they're going to allow a 40-year-old man to join Jim in the holograms. Raise your hands. This is a podcast. Nobody can raise their hands. I want you guys to know that I am not raising my hand right now. Oh, good. Because I was worried. Also, Rhea's whole family is here for this. Like, the mom, the dad, her three brothers, none of the sisters, because she's always wanted sisters and only has three brothers. And Craig is just Craig from Europe. Our next scene is, like, the, uh, the Misfits not really doing very well. They're press release for the new Misfit is on quote page 17 next to an ad for underwear. But the Gen semi-finalists are on the cover. And the Stormer's like, wait, that's who? Oh shoot, I gotta go. Craig, you didn't tell your sister you potentially had a new gig? I don't think he told her he was back from Europe. He was here to see his sister and he completely forgot because he saw Aja. It hasn't been textually revealed yet that Craig is Stormer's brother, but he's at that music store and the guy's like, he just got in yesterday from Europe. Meaning he probably got in, like, late last night. He meets Aja. He immediately decides to, like, go get some tail. I don't 
think he ever called Stormer at all. God damn it, Craig. Anyway, Eric's like, there's another way to get to Jim, and I'll start with her, and taps Rhea's picture. He takes her to a weirdly detailed sushi restaurant. It's really, really fancy. Everyone sits on the floor. They take off their shoes for this. There's tatami mats everywhere. They seem to be, like, eating entirely, like, fatty tuna nigiri. And they've got, like, traditional lacquer bowls and, like, side items and stuff. I think there's even, like, a garden outside, probably with, like, a deer. Every single piece of food on the table is individually rendered. And this is probably even before sushi was, like, a trendy thing. So here's what I'm wondering. Either Christy Mark specifically indicated a sushi restaurant, or the script just said a really fancy restaurant, and meanwhile Toei over in Japan is just like, what the hell, let's just draw a fancy place where you get real sushi. Uh, either way, it's all, like, so weirdly detailed. Anyway, Eric basically tells her that Craig's gonna win, and Ray's just like, oh. And then Eric is like, but I'll give you a recording contract if... He's gonna give a drummer a recording contract? By herself. What is she, Phil Collins? And he also leans in really close for this. At which point you realize that Rhea is so much taller than Eric. And also Eric's, like, elbows are right in the raw fish, and, like, the pickled plum bowl is just smushing all over it. It's fine, it's fine. Name your price, smush. Into exchange, for gems, secret identity, ploosh, that's the miso. Ray, of course, knows, so we end it on this close-up of her face. Yeah, zoom in on her face and then cliffhanger. And we don't even have, like, a superstar segment or, like, another music video because this episode is so tightly put together and they decided for once not to cut out important scenes. So it just goes right to credits, which is good because if we'd had that superstar segment about not shoplifting again right after that cliffhanger, I think it would have severely reduced the impact. That's where we leave off. That is the talent search part one. And what a, what a riot it is. Don't say riot. It'll get Mac excited. Riot? Not yet. Not yet. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. You can find us just about everywhere at The Gem Jam, except on Twitter, where we are at Gem Jam Cast. Uh, we're a listener-supported podcast on Patreon. If you want to support us, you can hit us up at patreon.com slash The Gem Jam. If you also want to support us but don't want to spend any dollars, you can like, subscribe, do whatever, write reviews on iTunes, just spread the word, because that helps our metrics, and it helps us love you a little more. Earn our love. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you, if it seems too outrageous to be true, it probably is.